we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. I'm Derek Johnson. He's Nick Springer. Big dog. And on today's edition of RCST, we're talking plenty of KU football. We're going to be joined by Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com at 340. We got our NFL sports betting preview for the year coming up in the 4 o'clock hour um, with the Chiefs game starting up tomorrow. We have Lance Leipold audio that we're going to get around Wait, to uh, sharing today. The Chiefs play tomorrow? That's right. They do play tomorrow. Oh, man. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. Um, also, Andrew Baus from uh, College Football Tour is going to join us. That'll be an interesting story coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. And we got some KU football audio around all of that right off the top here though uh normally this will be a tuesday segment because monday is typically our you know react to whatever happened in the last game football game yeah, yeah. top storylines like the, the big yeah. things either celebrating or stepping back from the cliff yes you know? yeah yeah one of those then the next day we like to dive a little bit deeper you know maybe rewatch the game maybe uh go into a little more in-depth details that that aren't as surface level stuff as the other stuff we're going to call these our KU football notebooks. So this is our KU football week one notebook from the Missouri State game. We've got notes on the offense, the defense, special teams, miscellaneous. Let's just start right with the offense. They put up 48 points, and we talked a little uh, yesterday that you know Jason Mean did his job. I'll yeah. be honest. I, I was watching back the game this morning, and I, I came away even more impressed with Jason Mean than I did live. I don't, I don't know yeah. why. No, I agree with that 100%. I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Dude. something... I, I just like maybe watching live, I was watching with too critical of an eye from a standpoint of like, oh, but Jalen Daniels would do this. You know what I mean? But then when I watched it back, I'm like, man, you made some real good throws. There were some Dude. tight windows he hit. There were some deep balls he hit. He responded when he needed to. Dude, live, watching live, I was like, the this team is not going to win six games with Jason <laughs> That was my initial reaction live. And then like as the game went on, I was like, okay, he's actually you know doing all right, whatever. And then I had some time to sleep on it, had a long weekend, thought about it more, and I, I eventually came to a conclu- similar conclusion that you did, which is Jason Bean played a great game. I mean, he did exactly what you needed him to do. I talked about it a little bit yesterday. I personally felt like Jason Bean was trying very hard to execute the plays as they were called, so there wasn't really a whole lot of creativity, I felt like, from Jason Bean. There wasn't really a whole lot of him kind of doing stuff outside of what the play design was which I think we see more of that from Jalen Daniels. And that maybe could have just been Jason Bean. I don't know. I, I mean, it also could have just been a week one thing. Exactly. Like, maybe Kolnicki was like, hey, don't, you know, just run the play. Well, also, your, I don't know. your number one option is probably going to work more against Missouri State, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that that was my initial reaction watching it live. Was It felt like to me as though Jason Bean was trying to just go ahead and execute the plays as they were called. And so you didn't really see a lot of creativity or, or a lot of things outside the box, which is fine. And obviously, the plays worked really well because you had an offensive line that was superior to the Missouri State defensive line. You had some really, really quality running backs that did their jobs. The receivers were open. There was one play where it looked like one of the Missouri State defenders just got deleted from the field. The the, the pass he made to Quentin Skinner where he was yes. just wide open. It On looked like, like a little hit trap. It looked like Missouri State had 10 guys. Yes. There was just nobody. I don't know what happened or who was supposed to be over there if the guy just disappeared or like... Mm-hmm. 
It was like a Houdini act. I was like, "What? Where did that guy go? Why is there well, nobody over there?" The Lawrence Arnold one too. Like he got behind the defense. There was nobody there. But yeah, the Skinner one for sure because that was like, <laughs> that was like you're playing a game of Madden and somebody yes. uses the safety and, just and runs just blitzes like, them or runs yeah, the other or like, way. Yeah, and there's just an open vacancy <laughs> because it, it was weird. It wasn't like like it's one thing when a guy's wide open on a deep ball where it's like, oh, he just ran behind everyone. Yeah, it's it was weird when it's a 15 yard like, yes. hitch route and there's and nobody within standing. 10 yards. Yeah, yes. that was that was very odd. Yes. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, yeah, but I thought Jason Bean did the, uh, the more I thought about it like I think When the game happened and in the immediate aftermath in my mind I was trying really hard to overreact one way or the other <laughs> to like there's no way they're gonna win four six games with Jason mm-hmm. Bean or Jason Bean's gonna lead him to the to the CFP I don't know one way or the other when I think at the end of the day. It's an FCS opponent Jason Bean came out and took care of business I don't think this really means anything beyond that to be honest. like I eventually just kind of settled on this idea of this is a game where you J- Jason Bean started, which was fine. You know, I was even in the camp of I was even in the camp leading into the game of you know what at this point with the Jalen Daniels crap, just 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 start Jason yep. Bean. Who cares? Just run Jason Bean out there, and that, and that ended up what happening, uh, which I thought was fine. So yeah, I've kind of settled on this idea of you know what it was an FCS game. Jason Bean, he didn't look bad. He he didn't do anything great, but he didn't need to because you're playing an FCS opponent. So it is what it is, and I think now we just look forward to now. This game against Illinois, if it is Jason Bean, I will be ready to unload insane takes if it goes one way or the other. Okay. Well, I'm I'm excited. What if it's Jason Bean and he wins? What if he like <laughs> Exactly. What if they win fifty five to ten? Jalen Daniels gets hurt after the first drive or re aggravates the injury. Jason Bean comes in and looks unstoppable. Will yeah. you get on to Jason Bean Heisman? Oh, 100 percent. Yes. Okay. Easily. No, I'll no, I'll be there by the third quarter. Okay. Easily. Love it. You know, Devin Neal, that first rushing touchdown, was everything that I think explains why Devin Neal is so good. Um, I always look at, like, the pro football focus numbers, and I more so am interested in the pro football focus numbers for some defensive numbers and for line blocking, um, or just blocking in general, I guess, uh, because I, I don't know how well you can, you know, even some of the coverage stuff, I don't, I don't know how well you can grade, but it is kind of interesting to look at. Um, and one of the things, like, I'll always look at Devin Neal. It's like, oh, he's graded like a 75, which is like a good number. Like, that's not like a bad grade. But I, yeah. I'm always like, I don't know. I feel like he's better than that. And the reason why, I feel like typically it's easy to – okay, we, we had this question on a, on a mailbag a couple weeks ago, which please ask us questions for this week. We'll do that tomorrow yes. at RCST 1320. Or, please. Uh, RCST 1320. It doesn't even have to be about KU or football yeah, or anything. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Literally, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of something crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody but, asked us about dinosaurs. Ask that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to my point. Um, somebody asked us who's better, Devin Neal or Puka Williams, on a on a past mailbag, and it's it's very easy to like watch both players and be like, oh, but Puka breaks all these tackles, and just aesthetically, you think he is better, but the production for Devin Neal can be just as good. And I'm not necessarily arguing that Neal's better than Puka, but it just it stands out more with the type of running back that Puka is. Whereas Devin, he's just so good with his vision, his long term acceleration, and his one cutting ability that basically. He doesn't have to break as many tackles because he sets himself up so well, and he always falls forward. That's such a good trait to have as a running back. But that rushing touchdown he had was a perfect example of that. He read the hole well. He knew exactly when to cut up the field. Then he had that great cut juke move where he doesn't really get touched, and then he just slides through one tackle. And so at the end of the day, it's like, oh, he only broke one tackle en route to like a, whatever, 35-yard rushing touchdown. But realistically, he set himself up that he didn't have to, like, he basically, he's the guy who can get all his work done without overworking 
Did you ever have like a friend who, you know, it might take them three hours to do the same assignment that it took somebody else an hour? And yeah, at the end of yeah. the day, you're both getting it done. Some people just have to work on some things harder or differently than other people do for certain reasons. With Devin Neal, he's the guy who he can make it look easy, but I'm telling you, it is so sophisticated. And I watched that run, and I immediately thought, this is Devin Neal's last year at Kansas. He's really? going to be in the NFL next year. That's how I feel. I mean, as I think, long as he stays healthy. I think it's very possible. I mean, I think you pretty much hit it right on the head. He's, he's a, a very, very quality running back that does all the little things at such a high level that – he doesn't necessarily always have as many of those flashy, you know, spin moves, juke moves, whatever, but that's because he's doing everything else at such a high level that he doesn't always necessarily need to do those things. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I'm just curious, as the season progresses, what his usage rate is going to be, mm-hmm. right? I mean, 13 carries in this game against Missouri State, hit four. Yeah. In the, in the Tennessee, State, Tech. Tennessee Tech game. Uh, or Tennessee, Tennessee or, Tech. Yeah, Tennessee yeah, State? Yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee Tech. Tech. Tennessee, Tennessee Tech. Tech. Yeah. <laughs> Tennessee Tech State, North, Southeast, Dakota State. That's who they played. Uh, yeah, but anyways, yeah, so I, I'll i be curious to see what his usage his usage rate is going forward because I don't know how much of his – I don't know how much of his injuries that he may have been battling through over last season maybe affected that. I mean, maybe we're underselling what – how much KU is going to use him this season if he's fully healthy and ready to go, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, there was that discussion back last season where – you go back to the Oklahoma State game where he had like 33 carries, but that wasn't that was an aberration. Normally it was it was a little bit less, but I wonder if maybe the injuries that he was dealing with that were pretty much underreported or not really discussed because KU doesn't do injury reports or anything like that, so you don't really know what guys are going through. Maybe that was affecting him a little bit more last season, and so if he's fully healthy this season, maybe KU is going to say, "All right, we're going to give you the ball, you know, 15 to 20 times a game on the ground," which I think is quite a bit higher than maybe we thought heading into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, in this game against Missouri State, you know, by the third quarter, you don't need to get in the ball anymore because you're up by 30 and you can – or you're up by 20, 30, and you can get the other running backs involved. And obviously, the other the other running backs are certainly more than quality guys. I mean, Daniel Hyshaw, from a running perspective, picked up pretty much right where he left off from last season, which was really nice to see. He also picked up right where he left off With the from yes. not picking up the ball, <laughs> from dropping the ball. Yeah, he he – that, that was not good to see because that was something that clearly was an issue last year and it's like, uh-oh, that's carrying yeah. over to this year. Yeah, and, and I think people people may gloss over that and not be too concerned about it, but last season he had multiple fumbles, but he, he recovered a few. So people, you know, it's that it's that very, very difficult thing where it's like if you fumble but you recover it, then people are like, ah, it's fine. <laughs> but, you know, it's still, you're still, that's still an issue, right? That's still something you need to keep an eye on. So uh, I'll be curious, again, if, if that continues and I would assume that KU is is going to be sending a message to Daniel Hyshaw like, hey, listen, Dylan McDuffie is a proven 1,000-yard rusher behind you. If you have struggles with ball security, we are not afraid to go to him. Savion Morrison has a lot of explosiveness that he brings to the table. We're not afraid to go to him either. Like, you got to make sure you're hanging on to the ball. Yes. I, I thought Hyshaw did not look as explosive as he did last year early in the game, but that touchdown run he had, maybe that got some of that back. So maybe it was just shaking the rust off. But, yeah. But he was still the same the guy fun. of – it took like a mob to tackle him every time, yes. right? Like he was just he, he running so hard. through tackles, running, you know, like he was causing an earthquake with how hard he was running and just, yeah, you know, that, that, that looked the same to me. Yeah. Uh, more of Andy Kotelnicki being in his bag. I know you talked yesterday that, that there were times you thought it was vanilla. I, I thought it was pretty vanilla. I yes. Thought. There were times with that, but I did think he, he got a little into it. Like you had the Jared Casey QB sneak, which unfortunately didn't count. They threw a tight end screen to Trevor Cardell, which by the way, that kind of tells you, 
uh, how much we, we heard all about the, the strong fall camp. Like that shows yeah. it to you. They're clearly trying to get him the ball. Yeah. They also twice motioned Luke Grimm into the backfield as basically a second running back and threw him the ball in the flats to just get the ball in his hands. I thought they did show some interesting stuff that uh, I'll be interested to see how they evolve from and, and how they use more in this next Illinois game. But, yeah, it's just so tough to really determine what they might use in an Illinois game because sure. if it's Jalen Daniels, probably you're not you're going to be running a lot of different stuff. We mentioned yesterday too with the with the speed option with Jay, with Jason Bean works really well. Whereas with Jalen Daniels, you probably want him to be more of reading the, the line of scrimmage, right? So if it's Jalen Daniels, you probably see more of that. If it's Jason Bean, you might see still more of the speed option stuff. So it's tough to kind of determine what exactly KU's strategy is going to be because, A, we know from last year that they changed quite a bit from week one to week two. You know, they, they, definitely, tried to, they definitely tried to not show some stuff on film against Tennessee Tech last season. And so you figure they probably did that again against Missouri State. On top of that, if you've got a different quarterback in there, who knows? Yeah. Well, that's all That's all I have on the offense. I don't know if you want to add anything before we switch to the defense. Uh, Savion Morrison, GOAT. Touchdown. <laughs> he scored a touchdown. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. I mean, Luke Graham status being somewhat questionable heading into this game against Illinois is, is a little bit concerning. Yes. But uh, other than that, I mean, listen, this is an offense that has a lot of weapons. And, and all things considered, I think you look at this game, it was not – it was not exactly a game where you felt like the offense was firing at maximum capacity and they racked up 48 points mm-hmm. and they really didn't break a sweat. I mean, they didn't punt. So, you know, the sky is still the limit, I think, for the offense based off of the weapons they have, the talent they have. And even whether it's Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels, this offense is going to be very, very, very good, I think. Yes. Okay, so to the defense, you have 17 points in the game. Uh, obviously, Brian Borland, he, he wasn't the coach for the game. He had to deal with some yeah. sort of medical procedure. He was back at his press conference this week. He was already back in the building. So I don't know exactly what he had to undergo, but um, it's good news that he's back in the building and everything's good. Jordan Peterson filled in as the defensive coordinator, which I guess gives you a little bit of uh, uh, a look behind the curtain of hypothetically, if you know Brian Borland uh, were to leave for another job, like who would be the next guy in line, right? Like Jordan yeah. Peterson would be the guy. Not that I expect that to happen, but yeah. yeah. So I, I I thought he did a good job. Obviously, there, there's only so much you're you're going to show on tape anyway, and and show off as far as you know calling plays in a game like this. But oh, they were blitzing quite. a they bit. They did blitz a good amount. It seemed like they blitzed more often than they did last year, and, and that was something. We kind of wondered about during the offseason that, you know, will you be more aggressive because you don't have a Lonnie Phelps? And we got a couple answers over the course of the offseason that made you kind of believe that, but it was nice to see it in yeah. person, including that uh, first drive of the game. It, they got down to third and 11, and they actually lined up Jeremy Robinson as an interior defensive lineman, which I thought was really interesting. You see pro teams do that sometimes, like Charles O'Menehue or Mike Dana for the Chiefs will line up as an yeah, interior you rusher. Can, you can just stunt a lot of ways off that. Yeah, and then you can add more defensive ends, so you have more speed and pass rush out there when you yeah. do that sort of thing and he ended up getting the sack you you, you ended up having a, a big pressure day overall with with a lot of the blitzes that you brought I, I'm excited to see what like how aggressive you are and how many blitzes you throw out at Illinois this week yeah I think the D-line looked really really solid and that that's nice to see even though they didn't necessarily rack up a lot of sacks uh, they still did get a lot of pressures if you look at the numbers a little bit deeper on there which is which is nice to see and you know, we, we kind of discussed the idea of, well, is is there going to be a guy that's going to have a Lonnie Phelps-esque type performance where you can say, okay, well, this this guy is going to be a guy that you can look to. That didn't happen, but I don't necessarily view that as a total negative. I mean, Devin Phillips is pretty solid. Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers are two big dudes inside. You know, Hayden Hatcher, if you look at his pro football focus grades, graded out very well, had a really, really solid game. 
And then it's clear that you have a second wave with guys like Austin Booker, guys like Gage Keys, guys like Dylan Brooks, who, you know, Dylan Brooks is a guy that I don't know that we were totally confident he was going to be playing a lot this season. And he did end up getting in uh, in the first game. I thought he looked good, too. Missouri yeah. State. yeah, so that could be a pleasant surprise if he's somebody that is more impactful, maybe quicker than we anticipated. I think when KU got Dylan Brooks, there was a general sense of, okay, this is a guy that's probably going to be more of a long-term player for you. You know, maybe this season he doesn't really do a whole lot, but going forward he could be somebody that could be a real playmaker for you. So the fact that he was able to get into the game against Missouri State and make an impact does make you wonder, like, okay, maybe this is a guy that's going to be more of an impactful player quicker than we expected, which would be really nice to see because it's, you know. It's out of position to need. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of speed. It's out of position to need. You need guys that are impact players at that position. So, yeah, I, I think the D-line, didn't, the D-line didn't do anything to make me more concerned. Uh, I think they, they played pretty, pretty well, which was, which was nice to see. With the Brian Boylan stuff, I am curious, based off the, I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious what the play calling like. Mm-hmm. Was it, it called differently because Brian Boylan wasn't there? I don't. I don't or was know. Was that the plan from the get go? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel I like know. they I mean, probably have enough. I would meetings. assume. Yeah, it I would sounds assume, like this was planned for him to be gone. So I, I yeah. think that was po- probably passed down. Yeah, it was assumed for him to be gone, just not during a game. I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, I kind of ha- I think I kind of have to agree with you. Like this, it's probably they probably had a structure plan to where you know it was sort of more of a for lack of a better term, like a plug-and-play type thing where, you know, Jordan Peterson's out there still doing a lot of the same calls mm-hmm. that Brian Boylan would make. But, you know, that, I mean, listen, if you have a different play caller, that obviously affects sure. what your defense is going to do. So I'm curious how that looks now going into the Illinois game. Yeah. Um, I really liked that you got different flat. Like, it, it wasn't necessarily that every defense lineman pr- played great, but everyone at least, I think, showed flashes. There were a couple plays I noticed Tommy Dunn, DJ Withers get through. I thought Austin Booker had two of the best pass rush plays uh, of the game for KU. You mentioned Dylan Brooks, Jeremy Robinson had the sack, Hayden Hatcher, like we said, graded out well. Which, by the way, did he get? Did anybody else get credit for that sack? Because it was like... Robinson? Yeah, it was like four one? or five guys. No, it was just Robinson. That I mean, it him. was just kind of like a... I mean, he got him just, first. Yeah, right. it was, everybody was kind of there in you know? the end. <laughs> if he didn't get him, somebody else would have. Yeah. <laughs> um, any worries about these struggling with QB run defense? I, I know you only give up like 30 yeah. rushing yards to the guy, but... Uh, th- that one run was really long. Altmaier yeah. had like 70 rushing no, yards we, last week for we, Illinois. We, we kind of touched on it uh, yesterday. Yeah, it was clear that KU's discipline in their pass rush lanes was not fantastic in the game, and Jacob Clark, the Missouri State quarterback, was able to scramble at times for some decent yards. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit concerning because you're going to be facing a guy in Luke Altmaier who did scramble and had some rushing yards against Toledo. And in the Big 12, you're going to be facing guys that are generally more dual-threat quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was concerning, and I think uh, it was Borland touched on it during his during his press conference, which we'll get to at some point uh, this week ahead of the Illinois game. But, yeah, it was concerning, but it's a very correctable issue, I think. So I'm not overly worried about that specifically. Okay, quick hits on the uh, special teams and, and anything else. Seth Keller, I mean, Owen Pieper-Gertis had the one— Owen P. P, uh, P-A-T, right? We should call them Peter yes. Gertis ATs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he hit that one, so they were able to get him in there. But, yeah, Seth Keller uh, attempted all the other PATs. He hit the the field goal. Yeah. there was uh, He had two field goals. The first field so goal what was we, kind of a wobbler, so but what are we doing if, if Seth Keller is going to be the guy? Why are we just randomly rolling out O&P? For an extra point. I don't, I don't know. Just give him some confidence, maybe. You never know when you need him. What are, what are we doing? But no, that was good to see that he was perfect on kicks. Uh, we didn't get to see Damon Greaves, so we'll see what that looks like maybe this week. 
Again, you hope not. Yeah. Ideally, you never could see Damon Greaves this year. Could you imagine? But wouldn't that suck, man? He comes you know, around the entire world, and KU never punts he the never whole season. Once. He never gets to play. Yeah, but then he, at that point, that would mean that KU is doing special things. He's going to be on an unbelievable ride well, then, and get a uh, ring. Get Damon Greaves whatever. to be like a running back or there something. There you go. Or get him yeah, to play. He rules football. He probably, yeah, he should be you know, able to. Yeah, he can probably, yeah, yeah, he can probably handle himself. Um, Trevor Wilson, I thought, had a couple nice kick returns. What do you say about that? He returned them, and he returned them well. Yeah, like I, the thirty-five, uh, twice. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's fine. Trevor Wilson, <laughs> sure, fine. I mean, listen, I think he's definitely far and away your best punt and kick returner. And this kind of brings into question for me. Uh, listen, I understand the off the field stuff, and I understand you got to earn your way back. But last season, late into the season, you didn't have you didn't utilize Trevor Wilson as a punt and kick returner when it seems pretty clear that he's the best one that, that you have on the team in terms of both fielding the punts and kicks, and also returning them. And so, towards the end of the season, why was why wasn't he getting used more? Well, I think I he had, a, like, a hand injury at the end of the year. Oh, he was hurt at the end of the year? Yeah, okay. like after the Baylor game. I, okay. I think that's what happened there. Because he's, I mean, it, I mean, am I wrong in saying that he's clearly the best punt and kick returner you have? I think Kenny Logan's a good kick returner. But, yeah, I feel, the, the big question for him is I remember his first year at KU, he struggled catching the punts in 2021. Seems Wilson like did. he's gotten past that, Yeah, he's would hope. Yeah, he seems fine now. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the last thing, the they, I, I don't really have anything else. Like the, there wasn't any like egregious non go for it or go for it. They went for that one fourth down, which I appreciated. Uh, they went, yeah, uh, they did call a timeout on the first play of one drive. That is a crime. So you you'd love to see that get yeah, picked yeah, up. Yeah, it was it was they kicked off right and they had a timeout. Yes, they had like a TV timeout and then they line up and they call another timeout. Yeah. So a few of those things, like a few bad penalties that you're hoping to clean up moving forward to this week, but you might just be able to chalk those up to uh, week one woes. Uh, that's our KU Football Missouri State Notebook. We'll have a Illinois Notebook next week. We have some KU Football Audio. Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KUSports.com is going to join us a little bit after that. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. To Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening here on KLWN, and we're joined that time on a Wednesday by Henry Greenstein of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Uh, before we get into the updated reading on the Jalen Daniels uh, panic reading, which I don't know if you'd like to share some of your family members weighing in on it too, but at the very least, you can give us ours. We'll get to that later. Uh, first things first, KU did play a game. They beat Missouri State 48 to 17 last Friday. Henry. What was your top takeaway from the game that you feel like can and, and will carry over this season into future games as opposed to just being, oh, they dominated this against an FCS opponent? Yeah, that's an interesting way of phrasing it because I feel like my top takeaway would be that Jason Bean played well and was perfectly adequate and made some great plays, but I don't know if that really will carry over into the rest of the season because I think as Jalen Daniels starts to work his way back, Obviously, we'll see less and less of him, and he'll be, he'll be incorporated in more specific and selective context. Um, one thing I was really impressed with was the defense's pursuit to the ball. You know, they didn't tackle incredibly well, but they were always swarming the runner. That really prevented Wright from getting any holes, and I think they're going to need to continue to do that. It'll be a little harder against Illinois because of the quality of Illinois' offensive line and the blocking they'll have on the outside as well. But I think the way that the defense is able to get around the ball and limit those sorts of opportunities that could have been troublesome otherwise uh, was really impressive to me. Well, one of the cool things that you guys have going on on, on KUSports.com, and this is kind of a conglomerate put-together thing, is you guys are, are doing 
Big 12 power rankings with a bunch of the different beat writers and uh, different, I don't know, companies that you guys have relationships to. Uh, Kansas comes in at number five, which, you know, in the preseason they were, what, number eight, number nine, somewhere in that range. So, I mean, that's already quite the rise by just beating an FCS team. I think that probably had more to do with what the rest of the Big 12 did than them. Um, do, do you feel better now, Yeah, you know, in, in kind of correlation with – some of those other Big 12 teams struggling and seeing where they came out in these Big 12 power rankings. If I told you that KU would have a real shot at winning eight or nine games, would that statement feel more likely after what we saw the first week of the season? Honestly, I don't think that my particular outlook on KU football was changed substantially in any way by that first game. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I don't think I had them up at five. I have to check my exact ranking, but I think I had them at seven or so. Um, so I guess that's a good sign of how KU football is viewed elsewhere in the conference. And yeah, shout out to Joseph Duarte at the Houston Chronicle for putting that together. He used to do it for many years when Houston was in the AAC and it's going to be a really nice project. Um, and something we're grateful to have on our site, but yeah, I think as you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that it was more because of some issues elsewhere in the big 12 you know i don't think anyone saw baylor losing to texas state and dj kinney's first game at the helm tcu and colorado has been talked about to death so i won't say much about that and of course texas tech losing on the road at wyoming i didn't ding them for that quite as much as i suspect everyone else may have because i don't think anyone wants to go into wyoming and deal with that but wyoming always has a knack for scheduling those games they beat mizzou a couple years ago so I think KU's ranking at number five, personally, I just have the opinion that it's more a reflection of the struggles of other Big 12 teams than KU's own success. But, yeah, it really is kind of startling and, for a fan, probably exciting to see them that high up, as well as UCF at number four, which I don't think a lot of people would have predicted. Well, is is this the week that you think would would make a lot of people even you know if they they are more in the range of of having them outside of that top five? Do you think this is the week that would make some people believers that if they do beat Illinois, it'll be the week to be like, okay, they they are like a, a top five Big Twelve team versus if they lose, maybe it is more of the kind of middle of the pack type team. Yeah, I mean, it would certainly make me more of a believer. I mean. I've been telling everyone who will listen that this game is super pivotal for the, the trajectory of both teams and how they're viewed coming back after seasons where they gr- dramatically exceeded expectations. In both cases, the team's best season since the late 2000s. And indeed, I mean, for both Kansas and Illinois, it's all about getting back to 2007. I think they were both. That was when uh, Illinois was in the Rose Bowl and KU was in the Orange Bowl. Um, so some parallels there, and of course we know about the relationship between Brett Bielma and Lance Leipold, and they were both candidates for the Illinois job. Lots of interesting stuff to look at, but to get I feel like if KU wins this game, then you see them kind of on a trajectory similar to last year. If they lose this game, then we're sort of in uncharted waters because it's a KU team with higher expectations than ever before, but they've dropped their first real test of the season heading into a road game in Nevada. We don't really know what will happen when they go from there. Uh, so, yeah, I think not only in terms of obviously the, the material results in the win column, but in terms of the off-field optics and perception, this is an incredibly crucial game for both teams. Talking with Henry Greenstein of the Lawrence Journal World and KU Sports here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, now, as far as that matchup goes, you got a chance to hop on a podcast with uh, an Illinois writer. Uh, what sticks out to you the most about 
this matchup specifically as, as far as how they're going to compare with each other? Yeah, I really enjoy that podcast. Great chatting with Mike Cagley of the Illini guys. Um, the thing that sticks out to me and probably to most and maybe keeping Andy Mickey up at night is that uh, the five-man front for Illinois and specifically the what they call the law firm of Newton and Randolph, those two defensive tackles, uh, Jerzon Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph Jr., uh, Newton in particular, I think he was like basically a consensus preseason All-American from all the major surfaces. Um, Randolph right up there as well. These are both uh, solid professional prospects, and I think it's going to be a test for the interior offensive line. You know, we know Nowitzki can handle himself well. We're not totally sure what to expect in terms of the guard spots because Armand Reed Adams is working his way back from injury, and Kobe Bain started that first game, and you know, Bain is not someone who's really seen a lot of on-field action for KU. So I think the running lanes may not open up for KU's stable of backs this week, uh, as they have some other times in the past. And it'll also be a challenge on the outside because, K- because Illinois likes to bring down its guys and have, like I mentioned, kind of a five-man front. They have a former freshman All-American linebacker on one side. So, yeah, I think the, the, the running game is going to find it rather challenging. Uh, in some respects because of those guys. Yeah, this is an Illinois team that has a lot of beef up front like you just talked about. Do you feel like Kansas offensively might be able to use more misdirection or some of their speed aspects, you know, with maybe if it's Jason Bean or even Jalen Daniels trying to get to the outside to try to beat that, that D-line? Yes, I do. I would highly recommend that everyone watch the Illinois defensive coordinator's press conference from this week because he talks about how Toledo's quarterback last week, Taquan Finn, wore down the players so much with his scrambling that they had to substitute more than they would have otherwise. And listening to that, I was thinking, well, why do you think things are going to be different this week? I mean, whether it's Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean, they're going to be running all over the place, and that's going to present a challenge for that front. And, you know, he was talking about, oh, it was hot last week, and then he said it's going to be hotter in Kansas. So I think that, yeah, I think that wearing them down with some of those option plays to the outside, forcing them to bring in the less talented personnel uh, will be very key from that perspective. Well, uh, certainly if they're stopping the run, that puts more pressure and uh, more importance on the quarterback play for Kansas. And uh, I, I guess, okay, I, I, let, me, let me start here. With the uh, the, the panic meter, uh, one through ten, we've been doing that with Jalen Daniels. Uh, what was the number on Friday, if you could take me through the kind of seismograph of where the number was when maybe Friday started versus when he was announced as a starter on the video board versus when Jason Bean came out uh, as the quarterback to begin the game versus when, like, Lance Leipold postgame had his comments? What, take me through the ups and downs of where the uh, Jalen Daniels panic meter rating would be. <laughs> Yeah, there's an art to this sort of thing, and I may not be a perfectly calibrated Richter scale, but I'll do my best here. You know, we talked last Wednesday. I said I said a four at that time, and then, you know, you hear things leading up, and then you get a little bit more concerned, and then you see him out there. So I guess, I don't know, I, I probably went up from a four to like a, a six or so. Then when I saw him out there throwing, I maybe like five and a half because I still didn't think he was going to come out at that point as the starter because he was taking significantly fewer reps with the first team than Bean was. Then when he didn't appear at all during the game, I would, I was definitely up to a six or seven. 
And then Leipold comes out, and the first thing he says before anyone even answers any questions is that Jalen was ready and that he could have played, but he didn't have enough reps. So then I go back down to probably a five or so. But I'm also thinking, well, what happened? Because on Monday it seemed like he was having enough reps, but then by Friday it's not enough. So they must have had a setback of some sort. And then in the days since, I think that my worry has steadily crept downward. You know, I didn't put a huge amount of stock in Brett McMurphy's report, not because I don't trust Brett McMurphy, who is who has a venerable career in breaking sort of thing, but because, like I mentioned last week, it seems like there may have been some sort of setback or they weren't able to get in as much reps over the course of the week as they thought they were going to. So a report on Sunday that Jalen Daniels is expected to play doesn't mean a huge amount to me because on Monday he was expected to start last week. So, But hearing Lance say that he's taken the most reps he's taken at any point during uh, since, the, since basically August 7th uh, was encouraging, and hearing Cole Nicky back that up a little bit yesterday was a reinforcement. So I'd say right now I'm actually back down to four. <laughs> I may regret that, but that's where I'm at right now. Well, I guess that that's... <laughs> That becomes interesting to me because what happens if it just flares back up on Thursday? You know what I mean? And um, I, I go back yeah. to how this whole thing is, has been handled. We've talked about this, that there have been kind of some weird answers that it has been danced around at times. You know, last Monday as part of that press conference, Lance Leipold said that available players will play. Then he said earlier this Monday that Jalen was available, but he didn't play. So I, I'm just very confused by the handling of this whole thing. What do you think is the logical reason as to why? I know I've asked you this question before, but maybe we've had more more evidence yeah. to to maybe give an answer to this. Is it, is there anything in your do you, do you think he's trying to get a, an advantage from the other team? Do you think he just doesn't know? Do you think they're protecting themselves in case of uh, the the back flare ups or, or maybe the back flare ups has just made things be materially changed? I I don't know why. Please help me make sense of some of the answers we've gotten about the quarterback position and Jalen. You know, to, to some extent, I wish I could help you make sense here, but I will say I will say that what perspective I have. Um, maybe to put more of a positive spin on things, maybe it's a reflection of how much confidence they have in Jason B. Like, I last week, maybe if Ethan Vasco was your backup quarterback or something, you wouldn't feel. I mean, and of course, people had high hopes for him as well, so maybe that's not a great example, but you wouldn't feel quite as confident running out there with Bean, even though Daniels was basically close to being able to go in. But because Bean is, as Jim Zabrowski has said, the most improved quarterback he's seen in his 30 years of coaching or whatever, maybe that emboldens them a little bit or reassures them they don't have to force Jalen in. And so it was precautionary in that respect. And, I mean, if Jalen doesn't play this week, it's going to be harder to spin it as, they were so confident in Jason taking on a team like Illinois. But I, I don't know. Thinking about it from that perspective has given me a little bit of clarity on what their thought process might have been entering last Friday. But I will be far more surprised this week if Jalen does not play after what we have heard. Because, you know, last week I was even a little bit skeptical coming off of Monday. This week I'm not as skeptical. But we'll see. I may be burned again. Yeah. I know. I, I think we're all kind of in that boat. It's just kind of a... Uh, speculative type game, which, uh, you know, you, you never know where that's going to kind of go. Uh, obviously, Jalen's not the only guy hurt, though, right now. Luke Grimm got out of the game after he caught that touchdown last week, and we know he's obviously uh, a really good player. 
How pivotal do you think that one's going to be? Because all the talk seems to be about Jalen, and deservedly so, quarterback, noteworthy position uh, from kind of a national perspective, I should say. But uh, I, I guess how critical is Luke Graham, whether he plays or not, to how you view Kansas's chances on Friday night? Yeah, I think a lot of that depends on how much confidence you have in Doug Emelian, who is someone who gets talked about a lot. But really, I mean, I'm just looking. I think he only had like two catches last season. So he hasn't had the chance to produce on the field really much at all. Um, and so for that reason, uh, while, I'm, while I'm excited and interested to see Doug Emelian play, I definitely think Luke Grimm is like a security blanket for both of these quarterbacks, you know, catching passes over the middle, out in the flat, uh, doing a lot of dirty work that is important to the flow of the offense. I think, however, that Kansas will, will need to take some deep shots to beat Illinois regardless, and that's not as much Luke Grimm's game. So I don't think it will have an enormous impact on their prospects, but you may see one or two drives fall apart without Grimm uh, that you wouldn't if he were able to play. Uh, we don't have super concrete information on his status as of now, just because all we've heard is that he is sort of in a day-to-day wait-and-see kind of situation. You touched on the offensive line earlier with uh, Marjorie Adams potentially being available coming into this game. I guess, what's your confidence level in that offensive line as a total? You know, if Marjorie Adams plays or if there's some shuffling around, what's your confidence about that offensive line going up against a, a strong Illinois front? Uh, yeah, it's tough to say. I, I you know, I said that the run game would be limited, but at the same time, I do, I do have a positive disposition when it comes to that offensive line. I think that everything we heard from Dominic Pooney is that they have trained themselves with sort of, not necessarily more physical practice, but they've basically told the scout team, like, come hit us, do everything you can, like, because they know that they have to step things up to get prepared for Illinois. And I think they'll do a good job keeping the quarterback clean. You know, there, uh, there are some plays where the law firm is going to break through and you're not going to be able to stop them. But I, I, I still feel generally positive inclined, positively inclined toward the offensive line's chances this week despite that. He is Henry Greenstein. You can check out all his work in the Lawrence Journal world and the KUSports.com. Henry, anything uh, upcoming or be on the lookout for right now with KU Sports? Yeah, everything you mentioned, the, the Eye on the Illini podcast, the power rings that are online. Um, we have a new high school athlete of the week thing uh, starting up on Friday. So keep an eye out for that in the paper, I guess. But yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. All right, that's Henry Greenstein, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. Thanks again, man. Thank you. That's Henry Greenstein. You can check out the Best of RCST podcast now at KUSports.com, along with all of Henry's great work and a bunch of great high school coverage this year that they're doing, too, that they always do with the uh, Lawrence Journal World. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. Coming up at the 4 o'clock hour, our 2023 NFL betting preview. We made some money last year. Let's try to make you some more money coming up in our next segment. We also have to get to Lance Leipold's press conference audio from this week, and we're going to have a uh, special guest on in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, there's this Andrew is his name, uh, and he runs this like college football tour. He basically has toured over 100 different college football locations wow. or, or venues. He's coming to Kansas this week for the oh, Illinois For game. the first time? So Yes, for wow. the first time. So I wanted uh, well, to pick wait, his no, brain. He needs to come back 
when they build the new stadium. <laughs> That's true. We'll have to. He'll just have to come back uh, later. But I wanted to pick his brain and, and hear kind of about his tour because I actually think it's a very interesting story huh. with him uh, coming to the game, and, and we'll see who he's rooting for out of the game and, and if he has any thoughts on it. So uh, he'll join us in the five o'clock hour with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we got some Lance Leipold audio to share with you. But this 4 o'clock hour, our NFL betting preview. I'm excited for this. NFL season starts tomorrow. We got uh, all sorts of action on Sunday uh, with the NFL. And don't forget, you can use DraftKings. You can use our code KLWN. Bet $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly for the start of the football season if you have not joined DraftKings before. So uh, all the lines we're going to be using, by the way, here are going to come from DraftKings. Uh, We mentioned last year, collectively, we made you almost $1,500 on college football. What about the NFL? I think we did better on NFL, right? We did better on the NFL. Um, You would have made people $469.12 on $100 bets. So even if you're doing $10 bets, that's making almost 50 bucks, you know. You had fun. You made a little bit of money, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. It's more about the friends you make along the way. That's right. I made $2,209.30. Wow. People. So that was if $100 bet. If you did $10 a bet, then I made you over 200 bucks. So you're welcome. That's, that's pretty good. That's right. That's pretty good. Unfortunately, I don't usually take my advice sometimes on this stuff. No, I don't either. Actually. You know? No, oh, yeah. I, I'm trying to this year, which maybe means that I'll do bad because I am taking advice. But we'll see. Nonetheless. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to pick all the division winners. We're going to pick one over-under win total in each division. Then we're going to get to our like player awards, and then we'll get to our postseason stuff. So let's start. We'll go division by division. Let's just start in the AFC North, which is the division with the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, and Bengals. Um, who would you like? Do you want to do an over-under first? Do you want to do a uh, uh, divisional winner? I'll do my division first, okay. my division win- winner first. Uh, listen, the Bengals... Stink. They're frauds. I don't like them. They're going off at plus 140. Noted which, Bengals by the way, hater. Bengals me. have the same odds of winning their division as the Lions do. Which doesn't make any sense. Well, it we'll, does we'll, we'll get the that Bengals way. have a much tougher division, but also like, we'll, we'll get yes, to the that. Bengals are a much better team. We will, we will yeah, discuss okay, okay. the Lions situation. Don't you worry about that. Uh, yeah, so anyways, no, the Bengals stink. They're frauds. I don't like them. I'm not going to pick them. <laughs> but the Browns also stink, mm-hmm. and the Steelers are probably going to be 8-9 like they are every single year. So, uh, by the way, Mike Tomlin. Ravens. Wait, did they go eight and nine last year? No, I think they went nine and eight last year. Actually, because Mike Tomlin has never had I know. a losing record. I think it's right? because That's they the went joke. nine and eight yeah. last year. Yeah. Well, it's not a joke, but it's a fact. Yeah. Yes. So Ravens. Well, I settled on the same thing. Not not necessarily the the Bengals are clowns. I just like what if Joe Burrow's? I, we don't know his status. Um, he suffered that one injury. He could be back by week one. I don't know. What if he misses the first two games? Though they start on two. They're playing the Browns week one. Who weirdly that's been like the one team that like consistently has beaten them. So I don't know what that that's about. Um, yeah, but he's fine. I think right. He's gonna play. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Jesse Bates is gone from the defense. I think that's gonna be a big loss for them. I, I thought he was a very good safety for them. I could see them being like an eleven six good team this year. Um, I think the Ravens are going to be really good this year. I think so, too. I mean, they, they had, what, a top-five defense last year? I mean, they, they shut down the Bengals in that playoff game. They probably should have beat the Bengals in the playoff game. 
and that was without Lamar Jackson. Now Lamar Jackson's back. They have the new offense with Todd Munkin, who I think did a great job at Georgia in the past. That will be a question how he gets used, but uh, they, they improved the receiving core. I think J.K. Dobbins going to break out here. So, yeah, I like the Ravens at plus 235 here. Uh, as far as the over-under, I'm just going to stick with the Ravens. Ravens over 10.5. Okay. Yeah, that's 11 good. wins or more. I'm going with the Browns under 9.5 wins. They stink. They're going to win like seven games. Browns. I think that is a fun bet to root for because it's fun to root against Deshaun Watson. Yes, right? absolutely, yeah. So, so you get to root to, against yes, him every It's fun week. to root against yeah. the guy who probably shouldn't be playing, yes. making nearly as much money as he's making. That's right. So, okay, those are I like both of those. Uh, AFC East. Who do you like in the East? Yeah, again, maybe call me a hater. Call me betting with my heart, whatever. <laughs> Screw the Bills. Not picking the Bills. Although, okay, I will say the Bills, okay, Chiefs. The Chiefs, as an organization, and the Bengals as an organization, I think they legitimately do not like each other. Yeah. Chiefs fans and Bengals fans really, really don't like each other. It's the complete opposite with the Chiefs and the Bills. Yeah. There's like it's like fun. It's fun. Everyone likes each other. Everyone's happy. Mahomes and Allen are best friends, or what? They hang out together. They're bros, whatever. And I think both fan bases have a ton of respect for each other. So there's much, much love there. That being said, I don't want to pick the Bills because I don't know. I don't want to. Give me the Jets. I believe in Aaron Rodgers. I believe in Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I think the Jets will uh, win the division. No, I mean, I, I think this is a really tough division. This might be the best division in football, for my money. Possibly. The Bills are Super Bowl contender. Are the Jets, I, I guess I would consider the Jets a Super They're Bowl contender. They're not a Super Bowl contender. You don't think, think so? I mean, they, they they could realistically have a tough right five now, defense this year. Right now, today, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. But if you're picking them they, to win this division. Well, yeah, then no, I think they're going to get there. I don't think they are right now, though. Okay. Does that make sense? I don't think you can Dolphins are a definitively say yeah. they're a Super Bowl contender right now today. But well, I think they will get there. Okay, that, that's fair. I think that's a good way of putting it. But yeah, I, I mean, I, Bills are a Super Bowl contender. Jets, like you said, could get there. Yeah. Dolphins and Patriots, I don't think are Super Bowl contenders, but I view both as playoff contenders. Potentially, yeah. And for those well, being know. your third and fourth teams Smith's in the division. Juju explodes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they might just cancel the season. If the knee actually explodes on the field, like, I don't want to play anymore. Um, no, I mean, the Dolphins low-key could have a much better defense this year. Vic Fangio takes over. I'm not buying that, the Dolphins. I just I don't want to either, but it wouldn't shock me. And then with the Jets, yeah, what if, they, what if the Jets end up having the best defense in the NFL? Like, that's not out of the question. They have a really good defense. And then Aaron Rodgers, even if he's not MVP Aaron Rodgers, if he's... Better than Solid? Zach Wilson, right, better than Mike White, better than whoever all the hell else they had in yeah. the past six, seven years. That's that's the avenue that, Arnold. Get, that gets there. But I just I wish the odds on the Jets and Dolphins were more than plus two seventy and plus three hundred. So for that reason, I'm just gonna stick with the chalk. I'm gonna go the Bills at plus one twenty. Um, I do think that the Bills faded a bit at the end of last year. They had a lot of injuries. Like let's not forget all the injuries they had to deal with. So maybe a little healthier this year for them. AFC South. Wait, we didn't, you didn't do the over oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, on, I'm going to take the Patriots over six and a half. I Miami don't think they're that bad. under nine and a half wins. They stink. Two is going to get hurt again. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Patriots might have the best defense. This league, like, you could legitimately have four top, like, 12 defenses in the NFL in that in that division. Yeah, that's insane. pretty crazy. Okay, uh, so I'll just say the Patriots are competent enough to win seven or eight games, whatever. Uh, AFC South. Dude, the AFC South is just a disaster. I mean, I, I didn't even have fun making this pick. I was like, what What are we doing here? I'll be honest. There was a brief moment where I thought about taking the Texans, who are fourth in odds here, plus 800, because <laughs> I was like, I don't love this I mean, division. <laughs> it's just a bunch of suck. What if What if CJ Stroud's just like an average quarterback, which would make him second best quarterback in the division? 
And then Will Anderson is a game record defensively, and like some of the young picks start to come together. I thought about it. I didn't do it, but yeah, I thought about it. I don't it. know. I just picked Jacksonville because like it's just a it's the division of suck. So whatever. Jacksonville. Well, that's why I went Tennessee. Because I feel like everybody's down on Tennessee because they finished the year poorly, but Ryan Tannehill was out. And listen, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is like a great quarterback or anything. But Malik Willis might have been the worst starter in the league when he was in there last year. He was really bad. So you go <laughs> it from was at least, the Chiefs. What do you mean? Least, yeah, well, yeah, that, was, that wasn't his doing. That was the defense, which the defense is still good. The defensive line is really good. They're a rugged team. I trust Mike Vrabel. I trust the running game. They added Tajay Spears. So even if, if Derrick Henry has to deal with some stuff, I really think Tajay Spears is really good. They added DeAndre Hopkins. I think there's really good value oh, yeah, in the Titans added DeAndre plus Hopkins. Oh, yeah. You hate DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going Titans plus 350, and I'm just going to take the Titans over 7.5. I am so much of a non-believer in the Titans. Okay. I'm taking the Titans under 7.5. Why do you think they're going to be so bad this year? I just I don't like Ryan Tannehill. I don't like Andrew Hopkins. I don't think they're going to be year older. a good team. I don't okay. think they're going to be a good team. They've consistently been like a, an average team that wins probably a game or two more than they deserve to win each year. And I think this year it's going to be the opposite. Okay. I just see that's how I view it. I think they're an average team that always wins more than they're supposed to, which is why I want the over in the uh, division. But at some point, the trend's got to break. Maybe. We've been saying that about Iowa football for two decades, and they just keep winning one-score games. <laughs> Uh, AFC West. Chiefs, obviously. Uh, I don't see any reason to pick anybody else. The Chargers, odds are not high enough to even make me tempted. Should I go back to the Broncos? Uh, the Broncos stink. And the Raiders somehow stink even more. Yeah, by the way, I, I think the Raiders, they're probably the longest shot to win any of the division. They are. No, wait, the Arizona Cardinals. Oh. Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> Cardinals. Cardinals are 35 to 1. <laughs> Cardinals at thirty-five to one. The next shortest is the Raiders at sixteen to one. That is uh, remarkable. Um, I thought about like there is a number where you could get me to be like the value of the Chargers is yes. too good to. No, I here, get it, but no, it's I, not here. Yes, it's not here. I agree, hundred percent. If it was, I don't know, four hundred, four fifty. Yeah, I would think about it. Plus two ninety, not enough. I'm taking the Chiefs at one seventy, one minus one sixty-five. Uh, what about the over/under in the West, dude? If you're gonna sit here and give me the Broncos. Eight and a half wins as the over-under? Dude, life savings on the under. Okay. <laughs> life savings on the under. So that's your lock of all of yes. these. I'm going to go Raiders under six and a half. I think the Raiders have a chance to be really bad. It seems like there is some friction now with uh, players dealing with Josh McDaniels. Did you see the Chandler Jones stuff? What happened with Chandler Jones? Uh, the, the defensive end for the, for the Raiders, who didn't have a good la- year last year, but he, he was great the year before. He uh, apparently was, like, locked out of the building from working out for some reason. Oh. I, I don't know why. Like, they didn't want players working out outside of certain times. And he was getting all mad and posted stuff on social media of, like, now I have to go to a regular gym. And, like, I'm this all-pro athlete. I should be able to get into the facility. Just silly stuff like that. What, what, I mean, yeah. That, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It is, but it's just those little things that add up that it feels like they're just coming out with the Raiders now. Um, I don't think the Jimmy G thing is going to work out very well. He is worse than Derek Carr to begin with. Like, It's just a worse version uh, of Derek Carr. I don't, know. I, I, would, I don't know if I go that far. But also he has the injury stuff. Like what? He's all... He, he oh, had, I know. He, he failed the physicals. I don't, right? their, like, I don't even know who their backup is. Um... Whew. I don't remember. I, I don't, don't know. know. That's not a good sign. That's no not a good sign because Jared Stidham signed with uh, somebody else. So oh, yeah. I, I don't trust that. that. Um, I don't think the, the defense, they might have the worst defense in the NFL. It's certainly going to be up there. I think they win. I think they win like four or five games. So I'm going to take the under on uh, six and a half here. Under the NFC. That's a good one. I like that one. NFC North. Yeah, give me the Vikings here. Uh, 
Uh, for some reason, the Detroit Lions are the betting favorite to win the Plus NFC 140. North. I don't understand that at all. And listen, I love Dan Campbell. The Lions are a great... Okay, the Lions are one of those stories where... I'm trying to think of a good example. Where everyone loves to root for the lovable losers. Okay? <laughs> the team that has always sucked, and now it's like they're kind of starting to get good. But as soon as they get a little too good, then everyone's like, no, you need to go back to sucking. It feels like that's where we're at right now with the Lions. Where they're starting to get to that point where it's like, okay, the favorites to win the division? Uh, I don't know about that. So give me the Vikings... Give me, give me, give me uh, Kirk Thuggins, 100%. He's there. Uh, yeah, Vikings win the division. I thought about doing the Vikings too here. It feels, it feels like they've been disrespected a bit because of how last season finished and everybody said they were going to come crashing down to earth. But, you know, there, there's a difference between us thinking that they're not as good as being a 12-5 and five team or whatever they were versus can they win the division at like 10-7? and seven? I, I think this might be the worst division in football, honestly, and that might get it done. Kirk Cousins will at least get you to that 9 or 10 win range, right? Which, you would think. Spoiler there. I'm going to take the Vikings over 8.5. But I'm going to actually I'm gonna take advantage of this division because I do think it's the worst division this year. I'm going to go with the long shot pick. The Green Bay Packers. They're 4-1, four plus 400. That is the lowest odds in the division. Uh, it sounds like there have been good things said about Jordan Love so far. Yeah, but I just don't. If the Packers are going to win the division, I don't think your Vikings bet's going to hit. I think it's going to be one or the other. It could be. I think there's a chance that both happen. Because in my no. mind, here's how I see the division going. I have the Packers and the Vikings finish first and second. Okay. I have the Lions going like seven wins. Okay. And then the Bears, I think, are still going to be bad. I'm not buying into the Bears hype. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, Packers at four to one. I think the defense will be pretty good for the Packers. I think Jordan Love will be good enough. I like some of the young receivers. I like the running game they have. Packers at four to one. I do think the Packers are going to be better than people think they're going to be. So I'm actually going to go with the Packers over a win total, which is 7 Okay, wait. So you just said I think they're you gonna don't go think eight and, that I think my go pick like of the nine. Packers winning the division the Vikings over 8.5 can hit, but you did the same thing just reversed, and you think that can hit. Yeah, oh, easily. That can hit. That yes. makes no sense. It makes total this sense. Is the same thing I no, did. No, it's not the same thing because the Packers number is lower. The Packers By win total one. is lower than the Vikings win total. Packers so the Packers could go, go 8 and 7. The Vikings could go 9 and 8. No. I win both. No, I, I, think I, I think I have a chance of winning both okay. much, much higher than you do. Okay. Uh, on to the NFC East. Are you strained from the pack of the, uh, uh, the, the favorites, the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, no, give me the Eagles. Uh yeah, I'm not. Minus I don't care about the Cowboys. I don't think the the Giants are going to be. But okay, I'm confused though. What, what what happened to the Giants? Why does everyone think they're just going to suck again? I mean, they have like the same. I don't team, think people right? believe in Daniel Jones. But don't they yeah, have like the nine same to team? one? Pretty much. Um, I mean, defense gets a year older. I think some people view it as like they had an easier schedule last year and they maybe were a little worse. I'm taking the, the Giants win total. Okay. Over seven and a half? Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Eagles minus 135 to win the division. I'm going to actually take the Cowboys win total over 10 and a half. I think the Cowboys will have a really good defense. I think they have enough offensively that I expect them to win like 11 games, be a wild card. The Eagles win 12 or 13 or something like that. Maybe the Cowboys even do get to 12 wins. I think that potential is there because of the star talent that they kind of have around the quarterback position. Should be a good offensive line. Got a good running back. They've got good receivers. They, they added Brandon Cooks now. You got Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. Um, you, you added a, a tight end early in the draft. Like I said, the defense could be top five, maybe even the best in the league. So I'll take the Cowboys over 10 and a half there. NFC South. I, okay, this okay, might NFC be the worst South, I don't this, know, man. Yeah, this all, similarly to the AFC South, this also brought me a lot of pain just thinking about this division. Uh, I went with the Saints. I don't feel great or bad Derek about Carr. it. I, I, I don't know. I, I do. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, 
The division stinks. I mean, this is just an embarrassment to football, how this is possible. Should the NFL consider doing some sort of structure to where you they like some sort of competitive balance with the divisions so you don't get crap like this? No, because it, it goes in waves. Like, there are certain years where, like, the NFC South, like, think back to, what, three years ago. You had the Saints who were, like, the one seed. You had the Patriots with Tom Brady, or not the Patriots, the Buccaneers with Tom Brady yes. who ended up winning the Super Bowl in the same division. You know what I mean? Um, you had the Falcons still with, like, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I, it comes I in waves. It, it, but, it, dude, like, this is just, like like I said, I, I my, my eyes hurt from looking at Yeah, the, it's not a this, good division this, this division. year. I'm going to take the Falcons to win the division. Two to one. They've got a really good running game to begin with, and then they added B. John Robinson. I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be great, but can he be better than Marcus Mariota last year? Yeah, I think that's Maybe. doable. Absolutely. I think the defense will get better. They made some big additions in free agency. Jesse Bates, they added to the offensive line. Uh, down division this year, I'm going to take the Falcons, and I'm just going to take them, if I'm picking them to win the division, over eight and a half wins. Although, this could be one of those divisions where like somebody <laughs> where wins it like at like seven, eight and nine or yeah. seven and ten. Yeah, Yeah. so that's why I'm going with the Panthers under seven and a half just seems ridiculously high for the Panthers. High. I mean, offensive line stinks. I, I believe in Bryce Young, but I can still believe in Bryce Young, and they would still only win five They games. have no weapons. They have no offensive line, and like the defense is fine, but yeah, yeah uh, I, Panthers, I, I like this, that pick. This actually might be my lock. Seven, uh, Panthers under I seven like that pick. Yeah. NFC West. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I look at the 49ers, and it's like they're probably going to win the division, but I just didn't want to pick them. I'm going with the Seahawks here. I'll go with Geno Smith. I don't know. Like, uh, I mean, listen, it's not that crazy to think that Brock Purdy might just actually be back. Yeah. So I think that the 49ers, they've sold their souls to the devil of Brock Purdy for no reason, as far as I can tell. And uh, their backup is Sam Darnold. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know what to do with that. So I'm not picking the 49ers. Give me the Seahawks. I am going to take 49ers minus 190. I just, I think even if Brock Purdy is not very good, their defense is going to be so good and their running game and their receivers are so good that they'll still win the division because I, I okay, okay. The Rams and the, the uh, Cardinals are going to be horrible. So pretty much it is a two team race between them and the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks could get, you know, I, I'm high on the Seahawks. I'm going to actually take the Seahawks over nine and a half. I think Seattle wins 10 or 11 games, but the way I see, I, I think 49ers are winning 12 plus. Life savings on Cardinals under three and a half wins. Wow. We got plus odds. It's plus 120, so that's a positive. They're going to be like 0-12. Kyler's going to come back, and then he's going to be like, actually, you know what, guys? Double XP weekend for Call of Duty. I'll see you next summer. I'll see you next year. They're going to go like 1-17. And, and then they're going to draft Caleb Williams, and he's going to see different teammates the next year. He might, yeah. yeah. I don't know. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. we got more for our NFL betting preview with some player awards coming up on the other side. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And we continue on with our NFL betting preview. We're going to get to our postseason picks. Those were our regular season picks in the uh, previous segment. Uh, but these will be our player awards. So we're going to do player of the years, MVPs, coaches of the year, rookies of the year. And then there's some uh, cool props you can do on like the leaders for like passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards, those sorts of things. Let's start with offensive player of the year, where uh, the favorite is... Jamar Chase at plus 1100. So usually MVP is a quarterback award at this point. It feels yeah. like and offensive like player of the year. Whatever receiver yes. was the receiver it's of the team the that won the MVP. It's like, hey, we understand you're really good. We'll give you this award instead. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Justin Jefferson here. I think Justin Jefferson is the best probably player Didn't in the league. Didn't he win it last year? Uh, I think so. Yeah. And I th- or he's probably he's probably the best. He's certainly the best receiver in the league. Probably the best offensive skill player in the yeah, whole he did league win it last besides year. quarterbacks. 
Uh, and I think he'll continue to demonstrate that. And I think he's going to win again. Okay. He is plus 1,400 for what it's worth. Yeah, Favorites, Jamar Chase. Yeah, I don't really understand that, to be honest. I feel like he's going to get, you know, T. Higgins going to eat away some of the, and they run the ball a good amount. Anyway, um, I'm going to go Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is 20 to 1 for this award, okay. which is fifth among odds. Um, Dolphins, I don't know how good they're going to be, but that's the beauty of the Offensive Player of the Year award. Guys can win it. This is more, this is less about how good your team did and more about how you did. Tyreek Hill mentioned he wants to get to 2,000 receiving yards this year. I, I'm sure every receiver would say that. But what if he does? You know? I, I, he, he is such an explosive receiver that it would not shock me if he did have a year where he had like 1,800 yards and had a bunch of touchdowns and in another year in Miami. So I'm going to go Tyreek Hill at 20-1. to 1. I think there's some good value there. Chiefs fans don't like that pick. No. Uh, yeah, by the way, they they play in well, – do they play in they, Kansas they, City? No, they play in, uh, they play in Germany. Oh, that's, that's right. Germany game. It is in Germany. Yeah. By the way, you can take Marquez Valdez Scantling at uh, two fifty to one. Does that do anything for you? For mm, offensive player of the year. Yeah, it kind of does actually. <laughs> it does. Okay. Uh, AP NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I think it was Nick Bosa last year. Yeah, I I had a hard time picking this. Similarly to the offensive player of the year, where they just picked the non quarterback best. Player. You want Chris Jones twenty five to one? I think the defensive player of the year is just the best pass rusher. That's who always yes. wins because sacks are the most are the most easily quantifiable stat. Besides interceptions, I'm actually going to pick Sauce Gardner from the New York Jets. Okay, but here's I think the issue: if he has that. multiple interceptions, if he has a big interception season, I think he'll win. But will he have a big interception season? Yes, because they won't gets, throw to him. If he gets nine or ten picks, but teams won't throw to him. I don't think he'll I, have that many I, picks. I, I think he might. Like, how many interceptions did Darrell Revis have? Like when he was going in his prime? I think he got I don't close think to double that much. Um, that'll be interesting to look at. I mean, I agree with you in theory. Like, if the Jets are the number one defense in the NFL and and they end up winning the division, like you have it. That can happen, but like these are Darrell Rivas' pick numbers from. So we'll start 2008, which was his first year as a Pro Bowler. Five, six, zero, four, one, two, two, five, one, zero. So exactly, all he has to do is get seven or eight picks. <laughs> Dude, and I he's don't probably know. Probably the best. That's tough. That's tough. Okay, I I'm gonna go with more of the uh, the pass rusher thing. So um yeah, a pass rusher is gonna win this award. Yeah, probably. yeah. I'm just I'm just I just wanted to have a fun pick. Yeah, no, that's fair. Aaron Donald, a little older, so I don't want him. TJ Watts had to deal with some injuries. Miles Garrett's really good. Nick Bosa's really good. Just coming off the contract thing, though. Uh, there could be some value in Nick Bosa because of the contract thing at 12 to 1. I am going to just go with the favorite, though. Micah Parsons at plus 450. This is, he's pass rush and more. He does other things on the field, yeah, too. Yeah, that's a good pick. He's dominant. He's unbelievable. There's a reason why he's the favorite. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to go with the favorite there at uh, plus 450. I think he's that good. Uh, what about over to MVP? Yeah, there was one pick I really, really liked, and I am going to go with it. I was really hoping the odds would be better on it, though, so I'm a little, the value here I'm a little disappointed in, but I think Lamar Jackson is a fantastic pick for 16 MVP. 16-1, to one, yeah. Yeah, I was hoping for more, for like 20-1 20 20, to one or something yeah. a little bit more because he's coming off an injury, but that just tells me that the books, the books know ball. They know that this guy has a chance to, to come back this season and be a very, very, very special player. And if, if he's fully healthy the whole year, I think it's a great pick. Nick told me off air that he uh, really wanted DeAndre Hopkins at 250 to 1, though. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, 
The value just wasn't there. Yeah. I needed like 500 to one. You have to take a quarterback here. That That's my one rule. You have to take a quarterback. Like that's what it's just going to be. It's just what it always typically is. And that's how it's going to go once again. So um, it's, it's hard to take anybody too low. Like the lowest I can find on the odds here that I'd be comfortable like throwing anything on would be like probably Lamar at 16 to one. Trevor Lawrence at 16 to one. Yeah. But it's, it's probably going to be one of the, the top guys. Like, it's going to be Lamar, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. So, Jalen Hurts. Uh, kind of pick your poison. It wouldn't shock me if it's Jalen Hurts. Like, what if his Super Bowl performance gives him the narrative game where it's like, look at this guy. We, yeah. we, we're yeah. honoring him. Uh, I, I think it's going to be hard for Mahomes to win it again. Voters get fatigued, sure. right? So, yeah. I'm not going to take Mahomes. I am going to actually go with uh, Josh Allen, though. I'll go Josh Allen at 7-1. to Burrow has the injury to start the year. Josh Allen. Let's not forget, Josh Allen at the back half of last season had that, like, elbow injury in his arm. That clearly hurt him a little bit. Uh, I'll go with Josh Allen at 7-1. to What about coach of the year? Yeah, this is interesting. I really did not like any of the top picks with the best odds for coach of the year. So I went a little bit further down, and I settled on this pick. I think it's a pretty good pick. I'll go with Doug Peterson. If the Jaguars win, like, 12 games and you know they're they end up because the AFC South is terrible and they end up being like a two or three seed in the playoffs and maybe they make it to you know the divisional round or or maybe even further I think Doug Peterson is a really really solid pick here plus 2,000 I like that pick a lot okay no I think that I think that's a good one because I I do think there is a world where the Jaguars take the next step as a young team and they do yes. win that many games exactly division, if they win right? if they win 11 or 12 games and they're able to win a playoff game and get, you know, into yeah. the next round of the playoffs. I think that's a good pick. By the way, this is for AP Coach of the Year. The reason I'm, I'm going to say that is, is for what I'm about to say. Do you know how many times Andy Reid has won AP Coach of the Year? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's like zero. One time, back in 2002. Which speaks to this. This award ends up being an award where it's like, who do we think is not good and they end up doing well? Now, Dan Campbell's the favorite of 10 to 1, but... The hype is there for the Lions. I don't think he'll win it unless they, they'd have to win like 13 games for him to win it at this point. Sean Payton at 14 to one. If the Broncos are decent, he'll get a lot of credit for that. Arthur Smith at 14 to one is interesting for the Falcons because I do think they could win the division. Um, let's see who else do you got up here that's interesting. Matt Lafleur. If the if the Packers win the division, he'll get a lot of credit because it's no more Aaron Rodgers. I I'm between two guys to be honest. One actually three guys. One is Mike Tomlin at 18 to one. What if the Steelers go 10 and 7 this year and in as brutal of a division that is, they still make the playoffs or they go 11 and 6? He'll get a ton of credit. What about D'Amico Ryans? If the Texans end up surprising some people, he'll get a lot of credit. But here's what I'm going to go with. I know this is probably uh, not going to happen. The Texans could surprise some people and win like five games. That's not your award. Remember when Brian Flores got like coach of the year credit and they went like 4 and 13 for the Dolphins that one year? No. Okay, I'm going to go with Andy Reid, though. I Andy Reid. Is fifty to one to win Coach of the Year? And that's all, so, that's, that is insane. When it is insane, like he's there with Todd Bowles at fifty to one. They're, they're, they're tied with the the Bronc or the Buccaneers coach. Like, what are we doing here? Now, okay, I understand it. This is basically the sports book saying Andy Reid doesn't win Coach of the Year. They don't give it to him, and they have so high of expectations. But it's it's already starting up. Chris Jones might not be there. Travis Kelsey might be hurt. They've got some injury. There might be more narrative game on his side this year. And think about it this way. Remember that one year a couple years ago when Russell Wilson, everybody was making a big deal and complaining like, how has this guy never gotten an MVP vote? And it became like a national storyline that actually <laughs> helped his like MVP candidacy that year, that people talked about him more. What if that happens with Andy Reid where people are like, 
it's such BS. This guy's like the best coach in the NFL or one of the best coaches in the NFL. And he's only won one coach of the year. It's like, let's honor this guy. What if the Chiefs go like 15 and 2 this year? I mean, at that point, if you go like 15 they might. and 2, they might. then it's hard not to give them a award. So I think there actually is some value in Andy Reid 50 to 1 to win NFL AP Coach of the Year. All right, let's move over to the uh, rookies of the year. Let's start with the offensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson here, plus 700. I think he has a chance to be actually pretty dynamic and be a really, really quality player. And I and honestly, I don't think to win Offensive Rookie of the Year, I don't think you have to do a whole lot as a quarterback, <laughs> to be honest. Like, like if Anthony Richardson plays every game this season, which it seems like he's going to, and he puts up better numbers than C.J. Stroud and better numbers than, than uh, uh, the guy from Carolina who I'm just uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young. I, think, I, I wanted to think Blake Young. I was like, that's not right. Bryce Young. He puts up better numbers than those two guys. He wins the award by default. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got it in the back. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I mean, quarterbacks have had success in this award, but also it's not nearly as much as MVP. The last two years, Garrett Wilson, Jamar Chase. Years before that, Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray. Years before that, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara. Uh, Dak Prescott, Todd Gurley, Odell Beckham. So it's been one of the more like spread out awards that I think anything can kind of happen. If a quarterback leads his team to the playoffs, he's going to make it. I originally was kind of thinking CJ Stroud at 10 to 1, but I don't know, man. I kind of want to ride Bijan Robinson at 3 to 1. What about, you know, I'm going to go Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have a really good year. Um, but then again, they have so many receivers. Whatever, I'll stick with it. <laughs> 2,100 for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think the Seahawks make the playoffs. I think he'll be in a lot of big games. What about Defensive Rookie of the Year? Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, I also had a tough time with this one. I didn't want to go with the favorite, so I I went a little bit deeper, and I came up with Tyree Wilson for the Raiders. I've been a, a huge Tyree Wilson guy going back to his days at Texas Tech. He is a really, really gifted player. It's unfortunate that he plays for the Raiders, but I think he's a really, really talented player, and uh, you know he racks up some sacks this year. I'm gonna go with him at 11 to one, so a little bit better odds, I guess. I, I don't know. I didn't like anybody else. Yeah, I'm not gonna overthink this one. I'm going with favorite Will Anderson. I just think he's he's that good. This guy was a Heisman uh, candidate a couple years ago for a reason. So give me Will Anderson. I think he has a, a huge season for the Texans. I guess I'm in on the Texans this year. Is where I keep circling back to this. Yeah, what's up with that? I, I don't. I don't know that that's a like, good thing. Why? I, I don't either. Really? Why? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. There's also these uh, props for you can get season leaders for who's going to like lead the NFL in passing yards, rushing yards, receiving yards. So, uh, who do you think will lead the, or, or I guess who do you think is the best value for passing yards leader? I'm not overthinking this. Mahomes. <laughs> Period. He's what plus three fifty. Yeah, I'm that, just going Mahomes. Yeah. I mean that's that's. Totally understandable. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert at plus 600. I think there is this growing sentiment, Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, that he was underused last year. And now you have all the weapons you could ask for. Austin Eckler at running back, Keenan Allen, who probably get hurt, but Mike Williams will probably get hurt. But still, for the sake of my fans, I hope Keenan Allen does not get hurt. Well, uh, they, they have a lot of weapons around him. The offensive line comes back a little more healthy this year. Rashawn Slater back. I could see them putting an emphasis to be like, hey, let's remind people how good this guy is. Um, Justin Herbert at six to one. Like, are the odds to me? Justin Herbert is double Patrick Mahomes. Basically, is there double the chance that he ends up with less passing? I don't know. Maybe. I think there's good value there at six to one. Maybe uh, rushing yards leader. I'm taking a dart throw here. Ramondre Stevenson Whoa. for the Patriots. And here's why I think that this is going to be the case. I suspect 
that the Patriots are just going to be HB dive, HB dive, HB dive all day, every day. Mac Jones stinks. They're not going to have Juju Smith-Schuster potentially. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Hey, whether his knee explodes or whatever the hell happens with that. Give me a dart throw from Andre Stevenson plus 1,800. I don't even I don't even care. Just, just put it out there. I'm speaking into an existence. They're going to run HB dive a lot of times. I think Bill Belichick is just going to say, you know what? They got a good defense. Let's just let's just be ground and pound. Okay, uh, a couple names catch my eye here: Damian Pierce, Houston, because I'm in on the Texans apparently at 35 to one. No, catches my eye. I'm not going to bet it. There are two though that I really kind of want to take as dark horses: Derrick Henry, or I'm sorry, not Derrick Henry. I was uh, J.K. Dobbins at 29 to one. I think he has a breakout year for the Ravens, and Travis Etienne at 29 to one for the Jaguars. But they might use Tank Bigsby a good amount, so I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with Bijan Robinson, the rookie. I think he's going to have an unbelievable year. Falcons were unbelievable at run blocking last year. They ran the ball a ton anyway. Bijan Robinson, I think, is in line for a huge season. You can get him at 10 to 1 on DraftKings to lead the NFL in rushing yards. That's what I'm going to take. Uh, receiving yards. Receiving yards. I didn't want to overthink this one either. I'm going to I go with Jamar Chase here. I mean, I I guess the big thing is like, does T. Higgins and you know, whatever, do they do this, does that take away from him? But I still think it'll be Jamar Chase. Yeah, by the way, Travis Kelsey is really high up there on odds right now, which, I don't know. Mate, he's going to miss a game. So. Which, if you miss one game, that could cause you to not lead the league I, in passing. I know. There are a lot I, of other yes, guys, No, right? I agree, 100%. So that's kind of interesting there. Um, I'm going to go a little further down the line here. I'm going to go Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson is unbelievable. He was a rookie last year, had a great season. That was with horrible quarterback play. I think he could have, like, Devontae Adams-level numbers with Aaron Rodgers. Similar to when they connected, so you can get good odds on Garrett Wilson. He is eighteen to one for the receiving yards leader. What about the sacks leader? Uh, I didn't want to overthink this one either. I just went with Miles Garrett uh, plus six fifty. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could be my, it could be Micah Parsons. It could be one of the Bosa brothers, but the Bosa brothers get hurt. Yeah, uh, and I I think. Micah Parsons does so much other stuff that it almost makes me think that he, that takes away from him getting just a ton of sacks. So, Miles Garrett. Okay. Yeah, Nick Bosa. Now that he signed his contract, that becomes a little more interesting to me. Quinn and Williams at sixty to one is interesting, but I don't like taking defensive tackles for this because typically you're going to max out as a D tackle like fifteen, whereas there will be some edge who has like eighteen to twenty. Will Anderson at sixty to one, very interesting. Rashawn Gary at seventy five to one, very interesting. I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson is eighteen to one. He was the former what number two pick in the draft, number three pick, whatever he was for the Lions. Had a good rookie year. I think he breaks out this year. I think he's going to have a huge season this year and be uh, dominant on the defensive line for them. Okay, we're going to finish up with our playoff picks. Who's going to make the wild card? Who's going to win the AFC, NFC, Super Bowl? All sorts of that coming up on the other side. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till five here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We finish things off with our playoff picks for our NFL betting preview here with Nick Springer and Derek Johnson. Coming up in the five o'clock hour, we got some KU football, Lance Leipold audio, and a uh, special guest who's going to join us. So we've picked our division winners. Uh, you do get three more teams who make it to the playoffs, though. So there is a bet on DraftKings you can do to make the playoffs. We're going to count these as our wild card picks, but if they make the playoffs anyway, you win the bet. So uh, what other yeah. three teams that you did not pick to win your division or a division are you uh, picking to, to make the playoffs here from the AFC? Uh, I'm going to go with Cincinnati because I picked the Ravens. I'm going to go with the LA Chargers because I picked the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to have a fun pick because, you know, with me, I like to make things. I like to be fun. I like to just not pick boring picks. So I went to Steelers. I mean, Pittsburgh to make the playoffs. Okay. I like that one. 
No, I actually, I, I think there's a good chance that they make it. I, I just, I trust Mike Tomlin. Yeah, I don't I trust know. I the mean, defense. Yeah, it'll be tough to make it out of the AFC North, I think. But uh, there's three wild cards, know. though. Yeah. Lots of space but, there. But, I mean, you have to assume that the Chargers will get one. You have to assume that the Bengals slash Ravens will get one. And then the third one is probably going to go to, like, the Jets or the Dolphins. Maybe. So, I don't, I don't know. But I want it to be fun. So, I went with a fun one. So I went Cincinnati as well since I didn't have them winning the division. Minus 255. Not a lot of juice there, but, you know. Yeah, it's like, dude, I mean, like, they're they're going to be there. Yes. So it's, it's, it's like. <laughs> yeah, correct. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, I also am taking the Chargers at minus 125. I, I don't trust the Broncos or the Raiders, so that should allow them to uh, usurp both those, maybe get some, some easy wins. Uh, by the way, the Steelers were plus 125, so there's good odds on that, too. For yeah, you. yeah. I'm here with the Jaguars. You had them win in the division. I did not. I had the Titans because I like the value, but I do think Jacksonville makes the postseason. I I, yeah. I am buying Trevor Lawrence. I'm, I'm buying, buying Travis Etienne. I'm yeah. buying Doug Peterson, so I'll take them at minus 195. I don't have a lot of juice on the to make the playoffs, but maybe this is somewhere to make some uh, possible easy money. Uh, over to the NFC. What about over there? Dude, the NFC stinks. I mean, this is a pitiful, sad pathetic conference full of a bunch of crap teams that just suck. I mean, I'm going down the list and I'm like, well, that team sucks. Well, these guys suck too. Well, wait a second. These dudes suck even more than the other two teams. So what am I supposed to do here? They all suck. God. So I don't know, man. I'm, I go, I'm going to go with Dallas. They're, they'll probably be there. I would think They're not great odds, but they'll be there. I'm sure. And then dude, I honestly, I, I don't know. I went with Atlanta. It's kind of a dart throw. And then uh, people are bu- people are kind of buying the Bears a little bit. I'll take the Bears here too. Decent odds, plus forty five. I-, I don't know, man. It's just it's a crap conference. I mean, every every you look up and down. It, I mean, you got the Eagles and the Cowboys, and then just crap. I mean, it's just I, it's just it's embarrassing, honestly. I'm go- I'm like I'm my I'm I'm in pain looking at this list of teams that might make the playoffs. Well, I I agree. I think the Cowboys make the playoffs. I just don't love that the odds are minus two thirty. So I want to get a little. Because I was I was boring on the AFC ones. I'm gonna get a little uh, off the beaten path on this one. I'll take Seattle minus 120. I like the Se- I think the Seahawks have a chance to be a, a really good offense. I liked what Geno Smith did last year. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I love the receivers: Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jake. But that's one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. I like the running backs too: Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. We'll see how good the offensive line is. But Charles Cross is a really good offensive lineman, young player for them. The question will be the offensive line and the defense, though. I, I think they get enough there. I trust Pete Carroll. Seahawks minus 120. I'm going to take the Vikings plus 115 since I took the Packers to uh, win that division. I think Kirk Cousins can at least get them to you know those 9 or 10 wins there. And then instead of going with Dallas at minus 230, just for the fun of it, I'm going to go. I, it's not that I necessarily believe this is going to happen. I just think that there is an outcome where it does happen. The Rams are plus 310. Cooper Cup's going to be out week one. But what if Cooper Cup does come back after that and he's he's close to the guy we remember from a couple years ago and same for Matt Stafford and we've seen Sean McVay do a lot with less. Could they get to nine wins and just beat up on the Cardinals and, and maybe some of these teams? Dude, you don't get to play the Cardinals team? every week. I just, I love that. Like, you only play them twice. Do you really think that the Bears have twice the percentage chance of making the postseason as the Rams? Man, I, yeah. I mean, if Cooper you Cup think is hurt. times as likely. And if Matt Stafford breaks his back again because he's, because that's what he does. You think the Falcons are three times as likely to make the playoffs as yeah, the Yeah, because the Falcons get to play crap okay. teams for half their schedule. I just think there's value in it. Rams are plus 310 to make the postseason. So that's what I'm going to take there. All right, who are you taking to uh, win the AFC? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I don't <laughs> think this would matter where the odds were. I think you were just going to take the Chiefs no matter what. Correct, yes. Okay, that is correct. 
Uh, they're plus 330 for what it's worth. I am going to go with somebody else with different odds. I'm going to take the Bills at plus 500. By the way, the Bills are plus 900 to win the Super Bowl, so I almost like this better for the uh, AFC. But then again, if the NFC stinks, then you should win the Super Bowl if you're in it. So uh, give me the Bills plus 500. NFC winner. NFC, again, crap on crap on crap. Uh, 49ers, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to pick the Eagles, man, but I, I don't know. I'll pick the 49ers. See, I think this is where... Um, opportunity presents itself. The NFC is not very good overall, like top to bottom. There are not of a lot great quarterbacks in the NFC. I'm not going to take... Eagles are plus 250 to win the NFC, and that's part of it. But also, like, it's really hard to go to back-to-back Super Bowls. And it's one thing when you are Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, although Peyton Manning never did it. It's another thing when you're not, you know? So I'm not going to take them. I... Have the 49ers winning the division, but I reflect your worries from what you said earlier about Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold. So I'm yeah. not going to take them to go to the Super Bowl. I could take the Cowboys, but it's like, it's the Cowboys. I mean, if the Chiefs get to play the 49ers in the Super Bowl, that would yeah. be a gift from God. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm tempted to take the Cowboys at 6-1. to one. But then it's like, okay. Dak Prescott's going to be in the Saints Super Bowl? Saints are an old really? team at 12-1. I'm not taking the Lions. Like, you know, whatever. Seahawks, maybe. Vikings, nah. I'm going to take the Falcons. I have the Falcons winning the division. Here's the thing. Do I actually think the Falcons are going to play the going to be in the Super Bowl? Well, okay, what, we don't know enough about Desmond Ritter that he is on that. This is the classic. We know enough that he stinks. No, but how many teams have we seen make the run to the Super Bowl with a cheap quarterback contract because the rest of the team is good? And then once they pay the quarterback, but they're, is they're the screwed. rest of the Falcons team good? I think it is. No. I think they're going to have maybe the best rushing team in the NFL with Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson. I think they have enough weapons on the outside. Drake London, Kyle Pitts, that gives you enough. They have a really good offensive line. And I think the defense will be a lot better from where it was. So with a rookie quarterback, there is an avenue in my mind that the Falcons, to me, become what the Titans were two, three years ago with prime Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, which was, what, a one hey, seed twice? Did the Titans make the Super Bowl? No, but they, we got a one seed twice. I, but they I just did not make the, the Super Bowl. I just think the value is here. The value at 22 to 1 is here for the Falcons in a conference that I do not like. So that's why I'm going to take them at 22 to 1. Um, okay, Super Bowl winner. Super Bowl winner will be the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that's what I'm picking because I hate the NFC. All those teams are terrible. I don't think anybody from the NFC is going to win it. So that narrows it down to the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bengals, the Jets, the whoever else. And uh, I'm going with the Chiefs. So give me the Chiefs. Okay. I'll go with the Ravens. Ravens are 18 to 1. I'm very high on them. Very good defense. Good running attack. I like the offense coordinator. I like Lamar Jackson. I like John Harbaugh. A lot to like there for the Ravens. They're just a professional good run uh, organization. So I'll take the Ravens at 18 to 1 to win the Super Bowl there. Even though I didn't pick them, this is about the odds, right? Even though I didn't pick them to win the AFC. This is this is kind of the odds game, right? Okay. So that is our uh, NFL betting preview. Um do you want to uh, place a bet on who's going to lead the NFL in tackles? Uh, Fred Warner. Okay. I didn't actually need. Uh, over under Anthony Richardson, 2,800 and a half passing yards. Over. Uh, Brock Purdy, over 3,600 and a half. Under. Okay. There we go. All right. Well, that's our NFL betting preview. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. We've got some uh, Lance Leipold audio coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We've also got Andrew Baus from College Football Tour. Before we take a timeout, 
The best Thursday of the year is coming up tomorrow, and it's all about NFL opening night. Football is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is hooking new customers up with a can't-miss offer to celebrate. Place your first $5 NFL bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. You can bet on the Chiefs game. It's down to like a four-and-a-half-point line. You can bet on the KU game against Illinois. Don't wait till kickoff to get in on the hype. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KLWN. New customers get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5. That's code KLWN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. More after this time out. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We've got a special guest joining us now. He's going to be out in Lawrence this Friday for the KU-Illinois game. Andrew Baus from College Football Tour. And it's it's exactly what you would think. He is going on a tour of all the college football stadiums. Uh, so, Andrew, thanks for hopping on the show here today. What is the official count at? How many FBS stadiums have you been to at this point? Well, uh, I'll tell you what. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun. Um, 100 is the count. I hit 100 last year, made a big deal about it. So, uh, Kansas will be 101 this Friday night. Yeah, so I guess it uh, probably, I don't know, maybe it changes year to year now with uh, college football realignment teams, I don't know, dropping down or, or going up to uh, FBS football from FCS, and, and I guess the number keeps growing. How, how long have you been doing this, and when did you decide you wanted to make this your goal? Yeah, they do keep extending the finish line on me, I'm telling <laughs> you what. Um, but uh, I have uh, been doing this for almost 20 years with intention of trying to get the games, uh, trying to get all the stadiums. And, um, you know, I, my goal is really to make sure that I'm taking my time through it and ex- exploring the town and really um, uh, taking in all the traditions and the culture that makes game day special. That's really kind of my gig. Is I don't report too much about the game. I report more about the game day experience because everyone has a little bit of a different way of, of doing it. And that is what got me into it. I'm a Wisconsin grad, and I... I uh, got into college football when they were turning their fortunes in the early 1990s. And that whole scene just exploding in Madison and uh, just, just turned my eyes uh, towards what the, how fantastic this sport is and how unique it is. Um, and, you know, I started following the Badgers on the road. And suddenly I thought, as I was following them along, I'm like, how many stadiums have I been to? Has anybody ever done this? And, you know, there's, there's, a, few, there's a few of us out there, but... Um, you know, I've been doing it a while, and I really love it. Yeah, I, I am curious. When you do this, is it? Do you kind of take into account exploring the towns and different college towns, or is it more about the stadiums? What What's kind of your mentality when you're going to a new place? I definitely try to take the time to explore the town. So, like when I come into Lawrence on um, Friday, I'm going to take the afternoon and spend some time there um, and and really soak it in. Um, I am, and apologies, I am going to Kansas State the next day. But I am staying in Lawrence both nights, so there's that. Um, uh, but, yeah, I will, I will definitely be uh, exploring it all um, and taking in uh, the, the town a little bit as well. That's awesome. Well, uh, certainly we'll, we'll be able to give you any recommendations after this and everything, but um, 
do, do you do you bring anybody with you? Is this just a solo thing for yourself? Do you uh, you know just link up and, and see what tailgates you can hit up? I mean, um, I I don't know. I'm just I kind of curious on uh, I, I guess uh, just the 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 bandwagonness to this, and if, if anybody ever tries to you know kind of come aboard with you and and go along or, or invites you into the tailgates and, and how that st- stuff kind of works. Yeah, so my uh, my partner uh, joins me with all of this, um, and he is uh, been such a trooper through it all. He uh, he is uh, my videographer. He's you know kind of a self proclaimed producer of everything as well. Um, so he's been fantastic. And then I do have a lot of friends who join me on the road, and that's what's so fun. Especially as I'm getting closer to the end, my friends really want to be a part of this with me, which is truly a blessing, I must say. Um, and many of the places I go, um, you know, I try to connect with friends that I have in that area, but then just as well, I have friends who join me um, on, on the road. I mean, we have so many cool towns, so, you know, it's a benefit for them as well. So you're coming to Lawrence. What are your expectations? Do you have any expectations for when you get to Lawrence, when you experience uh, a game day for KU? Well, uh, let me tell you something. I've been looking forward to waving the wheat for years. <laughs> I cannot wait to do that. Um, and that's one of the things I will definitely be documenting when I'm there. Is I will. Uh, that's one of the traditions I plan on focusing on, um, as well as the rock chalk chant and um, the hawk walk prior to the game, and, and um, you know the band, obviously. So all those pieces. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Kansas definitely moved up on my list of must go after last year. Um, and the success that they had. Um, so, you know, I'm hyped about it. And, you know, I live in Chicago, so the Illini are right around the corner from me. And so um, I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing a, a local team in my neck of the woods uh, play Kansas as well. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned your Wisconsin fandom and Brett Bielema, former Wisconsin coach, now in oh. Illinois, Lance Leipold, you know, uh, made his his money to start out a college football career at Wisconsin Whitewater and everything he did at the D3 level and, you know, has some ties yep. to the Wisconsin program. Uh, was that an added cherry on top for this, the, the fact that you have both of those things happening, or, or did this just so happen to work out in your schedule that this is uh, the matchup that, that we have? I'm not going to lie that um, being able to hit – one of the things about um, doing this tour is doing it economically – so if I'm going to fly somewhere and, and spend the money and the time and the, all that, I'm going to try to get to as many stadiums as I can. And so the fact that it was a Friday night game and that I could hit Kansas State the next day was definite benefit. Um, I have gone to Kansas State. I went a number of years ago. So my main focus is Kansas this time around. But I will tell you, you know, when Lance Leopold was considered to come to Wisconsin, it just it only opened my eyes a little bit more to, um, you know, to getting to Lawrence and, and just, it just kept kind of knocking at my door. And, and um, so all those things kind of combined really, really made this a sweet spot weekend to come to, to KU. You may, you may be aware not, but Kansas is, is in the process of, they just announced a couple weeks ago of, of planning on building a brand new stadium in the, in the coming years. Do you feel like after you visit this time, you're going to have to come back again to experience the new stadium in a couple of years? That is a very common question that I get. Um, and if I did that, I mean, good Lord, it would never end. But I'll tell you something. Kansas is close to me. Kansas is close to me. And so, um, you know, I love seeing the progress. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really close to the end. So, you know, I, there, there are definite places I want to return to. And seeing those mock-ups of Kansas's new, um, new, new, uh, new stadium really is, is intriguing. And I would definitely come back. Absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, and I never count it. Like, if I go to a stadium that, that's been demolished or whatever, I don't say that that stadium's no longer on my list because I more count the, the game day experience the than the stadium. Exactly, right. Um, so I, I'm curious then, because I, I don't know, maybe there are probably some people listening to this being like, man, I, I, I would love to do something like this, or I'd love to at least go to, you know, everybody has their bucket list of college football venues or sporting venues that they love to go to at some point in time. So if you had to pick your three favorite or, or five favorite, I, I don't know, just, just the ones that come to mind when you think of a short list of favorite stadium and game day experiences, which ones immediately come to mind for you? Great question. Um, so I'm going to put, and I'm not. This is not biased. I promise you. I've been a lot of places, but I am going to throw Wisconsin in that top five. It is super unique. It is fantastic. The crowd, the energy, the traditions that have been there for years. So that is one. But outside of that, Texas A&M is outstanding. The midnight yell practice the night before is something everybody has to see. Um, LSU, the hype is real. Um, getting down there on a Saturday night is a must go. Um, Nebraska, best fans. I mean, now I don't know how you feel about that, being neighbors, but but some of the best fans I've seen. And Penn State, getting there for a whiteout. I mean, it's just it's a it's a must do. And and you know, I always have those kind of outliers that what like I never thought like Cal is a place I really encourage people to go to. Um, Tightwad Hill, the views of the bay, the experience of that. I have a lot of little ones like that in my back pocket too that I'm always willing to share with people. Because it's not just about the big stadiums. I get more excitement and thrill sometimes out of the places that are a little more under the radar. I I don't know if you've had this experience because this whole thing is just super fun. Have there been any bad experiences? Have you had any stadiums that you've been like, I I never want to go back there again? Well, fortunately, Qualcomm Stadium has been destroyed. Okay. (laughs) So... um, (laughs) That is is one thing I never have to question again. Um, San Diego State has built a new stadium. God bless them. Um, uh, There are definitely places that don't live up to the hype sometimes. There are places that that you expect to walk into and you're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this this is kind of what I expected. And, you know, half the stadium is tarped over and and there are areas where concessions don't exist. And there are things, you know, the, the, the... the losing streak has been so long they don't put the investment in. So, yeah, there are places that, that are disappointing, but I never report on that stuff because I want people who hop on to my site and hop onto my social media to be able to be proud of the school they've been to. And there's a lot to be proud of everywhere you go. That's why I'm doing this journey because there's something special to take away from every experience, and that's what I highlight. So you mentioned you you, you just got 100. Kansas is going to be 101. Of the remaining places you haven't been yet, what are some ones maybe that you're most excited to, to get out to that you still haven't gotten to yet? Yeah, so uh, finally on my uh, journey list this year is Army. That has been uh, uh, one that I've been looking so forward to. It'll, it'll complete my Commander-in-Chief collection. Um, and uh, looking forward to get out there and experience a fall afternoon. I hear being in West Point in October is a college football fans to-do list. Uh, it should be on their to-do list. Um, <clears throat> Oregon, I haven't been to Oregon yet. Need to get there. Texas Tech, I need to get down there. Um, that's a hard place to get to. When you go to Texas Tech, you're going to be staying there a while because there's <laughs> nothing else around. So, you know, um, so, but those are a couple, couple uh, that I'm looking forward to. 
Well, Andrew, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day and hopping on here. We hope you have safe travels down to Lawrence. Have a wonderful time. We'll uh, be in contact and let you know if you need any advice or recommendations or anything. But uh, thank you for, for sharing this story. I thought it was very interesting. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your interest and in, uh, in having me on today. There we go. That's Andrew Baus from College Football Tour. You can uh, find everything that they're doing on social media, on Twitter, with uh, the College Football Tour stuff that, that's going on, and you'll be able to see everything that uh, is going on in the Lawrence area from it. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter rcst 1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst 1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live 3 to 6 p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast